ladies and gentlemen, good morning and welcome to another wonderful episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Uh, Sorry for the green screen again, although it did happen on another Zoom meeting we we did, so we know it's not our equipment. (laughs) Uh, And I saw the green this time. Yeah, I blame Zoom. Both of us, it was a, a different person. Mm-hmm. So we, we, but it was the person hosting it and I, but no, you were hosting it before and I was turning yep. green. So it's and just now weird. you're hosting today. Yeah. So it's just something weird. Something weird. It's weird that I've never seen mine go green. Yeah. Well, it's always yeah. yours. Come on over to YouTube where we don't have green screens. <laughs> no it's green all screens. Wonderful. It's fantastic. Uh, yes. Invisible sun camera. I have been reading, um, the threshold. I don't think Lucian saw this, but I bought this, uh, a while ago Ooh. and, I wanted to talk about this briefly because a couple of things about Invisible Sun is I wanted to, I want to start an Invisible Sun game. And I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen until uh, mid vaccines are kind of, you know, and, and like we get over this, this herd immunity peak that seems to be happening right now. So I put this on hiatus, but I did start reading this and I think this is a really interesting book because it is technically a narrative kind of novel um Mm -hmm. but it has a story that takes place in the world of invisible sun and so when you read this it's got characters locations and scenarios that you are encouraged to steal and put into your game and i thought that was really creative because you know we have a lot of um forgotten realms novels and things like that Mm -hmm. but we i don't really i've never seen a this is specifically for a game like a game master so that they can read it and get excited and then steal a bunch of ideas and use it. Uh, but it's it's truly narrative. Like, there's there's a leading character, and he's going on a journey, and it's it's really mm-hmm. kind of fun. So I was reading that last night, and having... Now that I'm not doing a video every day, um, I can I can go things like read books, and it's it's really yeah, nice. You have some other yeah. time. <laughs> so um, it's, a, it's a quality book. I, I So far, I'm really enjoying it, and uh, it's got a whole section in the very back of like, so you read this. How how are you going to use this for your Invisible Sun campaign? Um, a game that I am secretly obsessed with. Openly secretly obsessed with. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, we are a D&D talk show. We don't have a lot of news to talk about today, uh, mm-hmm. but we do have uh, a few things. Lucian really wanted to point out that we could do the entire show <laughs> uh, as Bernie Sanders memes. And so yeah, maybe we'll just that's the big thing. We'll just put Bernie Sanders in all sorts of situations. And uh, yeah. yeah, the critical role one was pretty good, though. So, he's, yeah, he's, I like that one. Behind I the Matt Mercer on... screen. And he's just like, how do you want to do this? It's very funny. Yeah. I saw the one where he's sitting on Strahd's throne. Uh, Curse of Sanders, oh, Curse of Bernie. That's good. That's good. Um, there, there's been a couple of really good ones out there. In that I Baldur's thought. Gate sent into Bernie. I don't know. Yeah. Um, something that uh caught my eye is uh there's a kickstarter coming out in february um and uh this is not sponsored or anything but this is a really cool product uh and i feel kind of dumb because uh this company contacted me and said hey we want to send you some prototypes so you can like talk about it and i was like that's awesome and then they said but you need to mail it back to us when you're done because we don't we want to be able like, these are really expensive and they're really precious. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And then they're like, what kind of coverage can you give us? And I'm like, 
you know, I'm a lore channel. I'm not really about mm-hmm. dice and things like that. Like, I want them. Don't get me wrong. And I will mail them back. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, there's probably other people if you have a limited supply. So I was really in their favor. And I'm like, if you have a limited mm-hmm. supply, there's probably better people to, to hand these out to to me. Um, but they are Bluetooth LED dice. Um, and it's called Pixels Dice. And you can go to pixels-dice.com. And mm-hmm. uh, again, not sponsored, but I just really like uh, the I really like the idea. Um, and so these are these are wireless charging. So they have a little pad that they stand on and they charge. And he says that the the charge lasts for a thousand rolls. <laughs> and if you okay. and you can program it with your phone. So if you roll a twenty, it'll like boo, you know, light up and all this other stuff. If you roll a one, it'll go all red. And uh, I guess from what I saw, there's a little speaker in there too. So you could actually program it so when it rolls a four, it'll say four, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And right now I've, they've got D20s, but they're working on getting every every type of, of die possible. Uh, so D6s, well, the whole the whole gamut, but mm-hmm. uh, probably pricey. I have no idea on, on how expensive those are. Uh, but they're they're really cool. So um, would you, yeah, I mean, you're, you're 2021. Yeah. yeah. Technology based. I like that. Do you, do you roll physical dice at all? Or are you just in just roll 20, just suit all of your dice needs? I mean, during the COVID-19 stuff. Yeah. I think I've rolled more virtual dice than anything, but um, conventions definitely like to bring bags of dice. Um, we played sitting at a table a couple of times at conventions, rolled some dice, rolled some actual dice. So I don't get to roll them as often. Uh, So I like using the roll 20 dice. And I like how in roll 20, you have virtual dice that roll across the screen and stuff and um, does all the math for you, which is cool. I think that's, you know, eventually where we could get to with a, a pixel dice. Imagine if, because it's Bluetooth, you could put in all your modifiers. And so it just rolls and then it just has a screen on the top and it says, oh, you rolled 25 to hit because of your, well, no, you know, your it, it strength, would, your yeah. whatever. It cool. would be cool <laughs> if you could tie that dice roll to oh, roll 20. So I could roll a physical die. And then when it came up seven, that seven was translated over to roll 20. And so your friends yeah. could all see it, but you're still rolling physical dice. That could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but I think there is something to having physical contact with the tabletop game while you're playing a tabletop game that is really fun and that you miss when you're playing a virtual game. Now I still love virtual tabletops. I love getting together with my friends. There's a lot of pluses to that, but there is the one thing that I think missing is that ability just to pick up tactile tools and roll them and watch them do their thing. That is definitely missing. And I, I think that's the coolest, one of the cooler aspects of being able to sit at a table with friends and play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, someone in chat said that they actually use your phone speaker for sounds that you program. So, uh, but still, uh, I, I can't imagine, I mean, that's a lot of, a lot of electronics to fit into a a regular sighted guy. Hopefully it's balanced. Yeah. They say (laughs) they are. And apparently it's not, um, it's not overly heavy. It is lighter Mm -hmm. than, than most of the metal dice that you'll buy. Um, Yeah. So now metal, but I don't use metal dice because I think they're too heavy. Yeah. 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 But They're interesting. Um, well, I like the idea of bone and stones yeah. and gem and when people put stuff in them and they do all the acrylic around them and they've got mm-hmm. cool designs on the inside. There's like a whole art form 
to building dice and, and that's dice coming out recently and, i feel like oh, the last cool. two years people are like oh you can do all kinds of stuff and yeah and you're right i i don't well, i i don't know if you know if you put a small little rubber duck inside of a die it looks cool mm-hmm. i don't know how balanced that is but i, I also don't know if people really care <laughs> like it's yeah. just it's cool you put it on your on your table or something and it's kind of a fun novelty to have uh yeah. but yeah i i know uh two or three people that are making dice right now and they're beautiful. They're really cool. Like, yeah, so it's, a, it's a fun, it's, it's one of those hobbies where you're like, this wasn't as difficult as I thought. You just have to get the molds and stuff, you know? So yeah, yeah. I want a dice set that represents a trapped gelatinous cube or gelatinous oozes mm-hmm. inside of them. So it's like the different oozes are represented on the dice. And so the six cider is your gelatinous cube and your, maybe your 20 cider can be, you know, the black pudding or something. And then like you could go do all the different oozes inside the acrylic dice. Mm-hmm. That's the set Lucian wants. I, I mean, if we're talking about, I, I think we need Modron dice. Like you need the, the D four Modron, <laughs> the D, the yeah, D, uh, cool. well, they don't need feet, but like little eyes or something on them because mm-hmm. all of the Modrons are based off of different, uh, Polyhedrals, yeah. I think. Yeah, you have the. Or could you, have the you do cube? little transformer dice that you could pull the little legs out and everything, but then it all folds up into it, and it's an actual dice shape, and you can roll it, and and then you link it with your phone, so it makes the transformers yeah. noise as you're built. No, okay. The radio controlled. You can move them around yeah. on your desk. Let's just do this. Let's just We're in 2021. That. That, this shouldn't be yeah. that. Where's my flying fetish. cars? Where's my robots to play Dungeons and Dragons with me? You know, they can sit around and be the different characters. and You know, they spend all this time making AI just so that they can call yeah. me about my car warranty. But oh. they don't bother to have AI to play games with me. I did hear that there is an AI DM site out there that they're working on right now. And they're testing it. To It sounds like it's getting, they're trying to get it to the point where somebody playing wouldn't know it's an AI running the adventure. And what the the way what do they call that the Turing test is that what that yeah, is? Yeah, the way they're doing it is they have a dungeon master person. He's reading the screen, and they're typing in what the players are saying on the. On, there's like a black screen between the player and uh-huh. the dungeon master. So the dungeon master is just totally theater of mind, and he's reading from the screen, but he's getting everything from the AI. So every time the the character says, "Well, um, I look around the room. Is there any? You know, what do I see?" And that's what he types into the AI. I look around the room. What do I see? And the AI just spits out this whole dressing of what the room looks like, what's in there, what can they see, asks them to make a roll or something. And, and then the DM just kind of reads it off. And they wait to see how long before the player starts to say, wait a minute, what's... Or the AI makes such a mistake because he reads exactly what the AI is saying until the AI makes a mistake that the character's like, what? Wait, what did you just say? <laughs> you see a large open dungeon and destroy yeah. all humans. What? What? Yeah. what was that? Yeah, what was I that? Don't... All right, kill this one. He's He's gone rogue again. It's crazy. <laughs> so I thought that'd be cool. So we're, there's, I think it's fun that somebody's working on it and that it could be cool that eventually we have an AI good enough that could run your Dungeons & Dragons game. Imagine that for just a tiny second, Jordan. You could set up an AI that's going to run your nightly Wednesday game. You gather your friends, and the AI is good, and it runs a virtual Roll20 game for you and your friends every week. So what if I want to run a game, but I don't have friends? Could I get AI AI? That's probably players, next, AI friends. And then <laughs> yes. I, can, I can run the game for my AI players, 
And then yes. the nights that I can't make it, I'll have the AI dungeon master GM to my AI players. I think that's and then um, and then I can go do other things like mow the lawn or something. <laughs> right. And your channel just has all this content. Imagine mm-hmm. AI DM AI players. You're, mm-hmm. you're good to go. No, I was a there was a joke that the future, like equating this to movies, uh, mm-hmm. that movie scripts are now these. Um, you know, we take a we take an actor and we like build a script around him and we kind of do these things that they're like technology will get to the point where when you go to the movies. You'll be presented with a kiosk and you'll be like, well, I kind of want a Tom Hanks and a Sandra Bullock romantic <laughs> comedy set in Spain. And it'll yeah. generate the script, generate the actors, and you'll go walk into the a randomly generated movie that is exactly what you want. So, Yeah. And since it knows who you are, since of all the Google downloading it's been doing mm-hmm. of all your data, it'll know the type of storyline you like, exactly, the type yeah. of payoff you like, mm-hmm. the type of crescendo to the climax of the movie. Like this gets him every time. If we go five seconds of dun dun inception music, he's I'm just like, into it. I love that. Like, <laughs> that inception thing is so good. Yeah. Uh, uh, I can't that, wait. Yeah, <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs> um Wiz Kids, again, knocking out of the park. They so I got a yeah. I got like a can you see that? There's a big dragon behind me. We could if it wasn't all green. Oh well, there's a big dragon go to behind YouTube, me. Guys. Find, look uh, Wiz Kids sent too. me that. It's like it's they one of their Pathfinder minis, but it's really cool. Um, they are just knocking it out of the park with, with miniatures lately. And they yeah. partnered with uh, critical role. And I don't know if this is part of their partnership with dungeons and dragons. Cause they're making uh, a fleet of monsters that are specific for wild mount. And I think they're the monsters that are in the wild mount book. Um, okay. but, uh, I, that's, that's kind of exciting. They're going to be making, um, basically if you, if you're a fan of, Critical Role in mm-hmm. Wild Mount, and you're running a Wild Mount game, uh, you can pick up some of the monster miniatures, which is really cool. Um, Josh, do you think that's where, you know, because we've been, I saw a kind of a meme going around for about two weeks where everybody on Facebook was creating characters of themselves oh, in, yeah. in Hero Forge, right? So Hero okay. Forge has gotten good enough that they can create really cool miniatures of either your D&D character or some people were like creating themselves. Oh, I totally made myself. Something yeah, else. Awesome. yeah, yeah. So you did all that. So that, that went around for about a couple of weeks. Do you think Hero Forge's next big push then would be like a monster creator where you could then create and design yeah. your monster minis and then have them deliver them to you just like they could your... No, that, that sounds like the next step. That or yeah. set dressings. Like yeah. I need to create a really cool throne or I need to create, uh, especially cause so hero forge is expensive. I, I love yes. the company. I think it's really awesome, yeah, yeah, yeah. but for them to print it and send it to you, I think way too expensive. Uh, mm-hmm. but if you have a 3d printer, the STL files are only like five to $7. Mm-hmm. And then if I could design something really awesome and then print it out myself, it's really awesome. And, uh, friend, uh, my bunch of master just got a 3d printer and, and we sent him a bunch of STL files that we got from it from uh, hero forge. And he's like, Oh, okay. And he printed a few of them and they look really good. Like it's fun. Yeah. So, um, and I would, I don't know with the, the color plastic that hero forge uses can be mm-hmm. kind of brittle sometimes. Oh, uh, I know that. and because I think it's two different plastic colors that they have to then fuse together. So at those joints, it's not like a solid cohesion of plastic. I could be wrong. Not really sure. And I've heard this rumor uh, that they can break, but uh, if you're willing to paint your miniature, then you're fine. And I know a lot mm-hmm. of people that actually prefer it to come blank 
so that they can paint it or we'll print it ourselves so that we can paint it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the that was one of the things really cool. I was thinking about was might be, it almost made my 2021 list of goals, which was to do a Dungeons and Dragons Saturday morning D&D show STL files for like say one monster a month or something like one mm-hmm. cool mini a month and then put the STL files out there for people to pick up for like, you know, two bucks or three bucks mm-hmm. or something just for fun. Cause I was thinking, I was looking at some of those programs to build those and I was thinking, Oh, I could get into learning how to use this. I don't know quite how to use it yet. Oh, like the thought, drafting oh, programs it, to, yeah. To how to okay. really create some yeah. really cool things. And like, here's a gibbering mouther. Here's yeah. a cool Cthulhu creature. Here's a thing of this. And then those of us that, you know, Oh, and that was one of the things I w- kind of wanted to buy this year was a, my own 3d printer do it. that was one thing i've been thinking about you know having over here they're on the so side cool. to do some stuff i kind of yeah, want so one I now thought, too oh, but that'd be kind of cool and we could do something you know themed around the yeah. saturday morning D yeah show. So the, the cool. fake king lucian I'm looking into and <laughs> uh warlock warlock jordan who yeah. who has can't say the, any words that have an uh an f in it because of a silent ph right I'm telling you <laughs> there's a market there Our i'm thinking campaign setting uh, but yes, critical role monsters. Very exciting. Um, I, now, now that you say that, I don't think that, that hero forge will do custom monsters as much as, pl- cause there's so many companies that do here are a bunch of goblin STL files, or here's a bunch of, and when I say STL files, those are the 3d print files, I believe. So, yeah. yeah. So I don't know that, but they they got to keep expanding some way. Well, what I think is unique about Hero Forge though is they've created an online designer that lets a person go in who doesn't know anything about STL files and just kind of create their character, adding things to it. So I meant more like that type of builder, because if you could say here's a here's fifty different arms, here's fifty different torsos, here's all this stuff, and then you could go in and you could really create some different cool stuff, even unique monsters at that point, you know, winged orcs or, you know, you know, whatever you want to mm-hmm. get into, metal looking um Kenku or, you know, I don't I don't know. Like mm-hmm. if there was a way to build those, I wonder if there was a this market my for Roboku. dungeon masters to go in and say this is something cool that I could add to my campaign setting because mm. even just a screenshot of that works for the virtual tabletops just to be able to say hey this is what you guys see coming down the hallway and it could be that thing that's you know been created It'd be kind of cool yeah so, just a cool interface to be able to create stuff with yeah that, that sounds awesome um hey we did something on wednesday that nobody knows about really far. but anyway uh so uh friend of the show uh and Occasional co-host and probably petitioned to replace either myself or Lucian, LB Hackema. Um, she is going to run a Monster of the Week game, which is a uh, really cool RPG. Kind of focuses more on story and and specific stories like old Monster of the Week TV shows from the late 90s. They were popular in the 80s and 90s. X-Files, mm-hmm. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, things like that. Um I've never played Monster of the Week. Have you? No, I played a session zero. Well, so that's what we did. We had a session <laughs> yeah. zero on Wednesday, and we went through. Other it. than that, no. Um, this be the but first it's time, it's yeah. a fun it's a fun game. It's uh, powered by the apocalypse, but I've never actually played a powered by the apocalypse game either. Have you? That I have played, okay. and I have enjoyed quite a bit. There, 
I've played the hacks of them. I have not played the original game that it came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but which, yeah, I don't know. Mass, if people are a new generation is my oh, favorite. That's powered. That's powered? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I know that there's there's Dungeon World, which I've read. Dungeon World. And that was powered by the apocalypse. And the reason we say powered by the apocalypse is uh, whoever wrote that system just gave it away for free. So it was the idea yeah. that anybody uh, it's open source. Anybody can take it and they can reflavor it, rewrite it using all of those mechanics to make their own game. So that's why masks has a powered by the apocalypse and uh, dungeon world is powered by the apocalypse. Monster of the week is powered by the apocalypse. So, uh, we are going to play a game and we did a session zero because, well, for a lot of reasons, but I feel that Monster of the Week really lends itself to needing a session zero. Maybe not all Powered by the Apocalypse games, but definitely Monster of the Week um, because we had to do a lot of creating relationships between all of us um, before you start playing. Uh, and you pick really fun characters. So uh, one of us mm-hmm. is going to be like a, a fey dryad creature. That's living as or disguised as a human. Um, I'm I'm playing a, a creature called the Divine. So I'm a human, but I have some kind of like divine connection uh, where I have to use the, the the power of God. And it could be any God. I haven't actually decided on my deity of choice yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I follow their orders and, and I'm trying to stop the apocalypse or something. Uh, and then we were talking to Lucian and we're like, well, what do you want to be, Lucian? And Lucian, what did you decide to be? <laughs> I decided to be the the normal, the mundane, the person with, you know, Peter from, and it, it stemmed from uh, Jordan a couple weeks ago was talking about Deadpool 2 and how they had that really normal guy who just kind of showed up yeah. to the superhero <laughs> thing for a job. And they're like, so what superpower do you guys like? None. And they're like, you're hired. <laughs> and I just thought that whole image was funny. So if they were going to play something fun and fantastic, then I thought, oh, it'd be cool to be the mundane person right in the middle of all that. So it turned out to be really fun. That whole session was really funny, just talking to each other about where the characters were going to yeah. go or what our minds were thinking about the characters. You know, how did they meet or why would they meet or what did they do when they did meet? And it was just like, I mean, we expected to maybe spend 30 minutes with LB that night. Like I, I thought in my head. Well, that's what she, she said. said. It would She's just like, be quick. She said it would be really quick, yeah. and then and we then ended like up chatting for like hours yeah. Later, we're like, <laughs> yes, this chatted is great. for and a really quick. Okay, we got to go. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, uh, LB Hackamup is running it, um, a, and uh, it it's going to be. She's the the equivalent of the of the GM, but it's not called that. I think you're a, a referee or a narrator or something. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, she's running it. It's her own custom story she's creating. Um, and part of the part is, is we had to create our characters so that she knew where to take the story, uh, which is kind of an interesting thing. So we're going to we're, we're set in rural Montana, um, some made up no. town. I specifically asked if we could be within driving distance of Great Falls, Montana, so that we could say <laughs> that I have been to the Sip and Dip Lounge from Great Falls, Montana, which is kind of a. Silly inside joke with some old friends, but uh, a real place. Check it out. Piano Patch plays there uh, every Friday. Uh, The Sip and Dip Lounge, home of the mermaids in Great Falls, Montana. Um, But yeah, so I'm a divine, but it's hilarious because, yes, uh, uh, in the world of Dungeons and Dragons, you want to be powerful because your goal is to kind of attack and kill things uh, and, you know, get treasure and whatever. But in Monster of the Week... Um, you could be a Xander from Buffy. 
and be just as useful as a Buffy from Buffy. And so in this instance, like I am very strong and I can attack things and I'm, I'm all this other stuff. And I've got, I've got like a sword of fire and all this crazy stuff. Uh, but I can't do certain investigation things. And some of your powers being like, I'm just a regular human that stumbled upon this. What aliens? (laughs) This is ridiculous. But some of your powers are like, discover the obvious or like accidentally stumble Stumble upon something. something Yeah. And, and and from a a narrative standpoint, that is fun. And that is hilarious. And the more we were building these characters, I'm getting so psyched for this game. I think it's (laughs) going to be really, and LB is fun. Uh, we asked her straight up if, how silly we could be because we want to just kind of be <laughs> like we're silly people. And she's like, just have fun. I mean, obviously, whatever. We're not going to be um, totally zany. Like, yeah, I, I know I, I'm a clown. But yeah, uh, it's and you could. I mean, if you wanted your theme of your game to be more serious, you could have a group that says, let's be yeah. a little bit a little darker, a little bit. You know, go go the more X Files route. There's mm-hmm. a tiny, you know, very there is a tiny bit of humor in X Files, but it is a, a darker subject. But then you go to Vampire Hunter, you know, Buffy. There's a lot of humor in yeah. in each one of those episodes. And then you can get even crazier when you're thinking of something like an Aki Inc. episode or something like that, where you get pretty zany and pop culture-y. Or or Supernatural is the one thing she kept kind of leaning back yeah, on. Yeah, and I've never was seen was a good example of the kind of game she wants to run. Yeah. So if you've watched that show. You know, there's humor in there. They do tackle some stuff, but it's fun that we're going to be pick a little bit more of a fun, upbeat kind of game. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm thinking, you know, Deadpool three in my head is yeah. the way because then that's all comedy, dark comedy, but it is comedy. So it's yeah. like I just thought it was funny, and I thought it was one of the most enjoyable evenings probably in the last month or two, couple of months. You know, I've had some really good D and D sessions here or there. And but this that one was just really fun, just yeah. brainstorming and creating and, and just, meeting cool new people. We got know, two new, new fun new players. People I've never yeah. met at all. Yeah, yeah, it was really fun. Um, and they're also streamers on uh, on Twitch. It's gonna be streamed uh, on their channel. So yeah. when we when it actually kicks off, we'll definitely tell you guys about it, and then we'll yeah. we'll when we come and talk about our shows, so. we'll we'll be able mm-hmm. to send you over to it. And uh, always, if you guys are. Like when is things going to happen or I forget about it. Um, turn on the announcements in the discord announcements channel because yeah. I, nobody else can post there except my bots and me. Um, but I'll post like, Hey, I'm going live on Twitch or Hey, our oh, game LB starts says now. It's on her channel. Yeah. Oh, LB, it's on her oh, channel. It's on sure. LB channel. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but I'll post links of like where I guess particularly I'm playing. So if you're interested in this game, but it will be Wednesdays mm-hmm. at six or five thirty Pacific. Um, I think yeah. is when we're going to play on twitch.tv slash LB Uh Yeah. So anyway, uh, $12 a year for enemyforge.com. Uh, Nathan, you got to get it. I'm sorry. You got to, you got it's a gold mine. You got to sit on it right now. Um, so I'm definitely excited about it. I'm very excited. Um, I like the mechanics to it are pretty simple. Dungeon Master doesn't really have to roll. They can focus on describing the action and what's going on, keeping the, everything moving, whereas the players are doing the rolls. We're doing 2d6 plus typically a stat. There's moves. I mean, and it could I just be a minus like stat, that. like, yeah, because yeah, you're... And yeah. I like failing is where you get your XP. So, yeah, it's a bummer you failed. You didn't get to do the thing you wanted to do in that cool moment, but that's the way you're getting your XP points to be able to get more powers later on or buff your character up later on and that kind of stuff. I so love it's like that, that, that really cool. Yeah. You get yeah. a reward for taking the chance. And I think that's good. But I also like a lot of times too, the, the way the, 
the dice skew is you're going to get a lot of um, you've succeeded, but there might be a complication or you've yes. succeeded, but there might be something that's happened. I like the idea of that, that there's always, yeah, you got a, you got a good, but you're going to get a little bit of mm-hmm. a bad here too. So yeah. I like that too. Yeah. You're like, so, I'm running away fun. from the guy and it's like, okay, you get in the car and like you succeed, you get away from him, but you notice that you only have a mile of gas or something. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, Oh, well now I got a new problem. And, so, and <laughs> yeah. that's, that's fun. And that is fun yeah. narratively and story wise. Yeah. And I guess it, I, the whole reason I wanted to bring this up is like, I love Dungeons and Dragons, but it is not the best at telling stories. And it's funny mm-hmm. how there are all these really awesome systems. And partially this is, you know, I'm reading uh, invisible sun and uh, going back to when you, you get XP, when you fail, um, I was listening to a whole thing about Numenera and how mm-hmm. the Numenera Same system thing. is also very much designed to keep the story going. It's, it has combat. It is not about combat. And I think Monster of the Week is the same thing. It's about, like, yeah. where are we taking this? Kids on bikes, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, although after reading Monster of the Week, I think that might handle what I was trying to do with kids on bikes a little bit better. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. But I, I still like that system. Um, and I don't know. It's kind of funny that we're like, you know, d and popular. So people yeah. are like, well, if I'm going to make it. a show, I better make a D&D show so people watch it. And I'm like, I kind of want to run all these other games. But um, <laughs> f- if I were to listen to a podcast, I'd love to listen to like a Numenera podcast, I think, because it would just flow a lot differently than mm-hmm. than a D&D one. But yeah, they're out there. And these days, maybe we'll have sections and we'll do our D&D section. We'll do our mm-hmm. Numenera section. We'll do our Powered by the Apocalypse section. Yeah, one day we're going to have to change the show to just the RPG morning show yeah. or something. So yeah. Because I, I don't ever see not playing D&D because oh, I do love, yeah, I love it. it. Yeah. But I do love the idea about talking about the other games mm-hmm. that are out there, not just saying, you know, I love reading all these other RPG books. I'm still doing Kickstarters on all those other RPG books. So, I mean, we even have a, a note coming up of an D&D RPG book coming. So. Yeah, segue. <laughs> I'm still uh, spending money on it. <laughs> uh, Tolis. Speaking yeah. of uh, um, Monera, Monica, Cook, Dragons, yeah. yeah. Um, so he created, tell us about this. yeah, yeah. So Tolis was a big city setting that back in third edition, Monty Cook wanted to put out his kind of idea of the big city kind of adventure, or at least the big city campaign setting that you could put where your campaign just, it's so big. There's so much going on. You'd never really have to leave it. Um, even grander than I would say like a water deep or a Baldur's gate. I think it's on a much bigger scale than that. And the book is and like vertical gigantic. too. Like, yeah. 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 So there is a lot to it. So, but like a, a megapolis style, a Ravnica world or area that you're going to be adventuring in something so big that it's, you know, nearly country size or something mm-hmm. like that. So he did that. He wrote up a book and you can find that out there all over the place. You can get a copy of that in his third edition version of it. I believe he created it in other, um, I don't know if fourth edition got an update to it, but the Kickstarter he put out last year was to bring that setting again back to 5e and back into um, the Cypher system so that you could play it with his system, which is, they call them Cypher Unlimited, is the system that runs Numenera, The Strange, um, and a few other ones, uh, uh, gods of the fall and something else so they have several games that are based off their cypher system rpg and uh but i wanted the D 5e version of it because i've still 
even though we got Ravnica, which was basically a book about a giant mega city, it wasn't big enough or deep enough for me to, to think about a giant mega city. I, I was able to pull a lot of stuff out of it, but I still didn't have enough tools to run a campaign that would be in a world spanning city, you know, something so big that it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but I think this book will have that cause it's something like 600 pages or it's like insanely thick book and that's going to be shipped out pretty soon. You can pre-order it. They've opened up pre-orders if you miss the Kickstarter out on their website. So you can go out there and then I think they're going to start shipping here. I'm hoping pretty soon. And when I get that book, I'll definitely show you guys on the show. Cause I think it will be pretty cool. Yeah. So. Um, so, uh, Something's on my foot. Okay, cat. No, spider. Um, so, uh, specifically with Tolis, he... And I put a link in chat if you want to check out the Kickstarter. It's done now, but I'm... I'm yeah. All of Monty Cook's Kickstarters eventually make their way to MontyCookGames.com, and then yeah. you can purchase them there. Uh, they use the Kickstarter, like most game companies, to, you know... To fund how our many people initial interested. copies. Yeah, we got to get these initial yeah, copies. To get out. Um... But uh, he played, he ran games in Tolis for like five or six years. So mm-hmm. this is, this is a world that is very established. Like uh, he yeah, knows. This is a Keith yeah. Baker world. This like, is like, yeah, uh, he's, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's made it and he knows it. And so I love worlds like that because it's very, mm-hmm. you know, like, no, I've lived been in. Eating, yeah, lived in is a great word. Uh, uh, great way to describe it. Um. And so the third edition is out there, the third edition version mm-hmm. of this, and to bring it into Numenera and stuff is kind of exciting too. Uh, it got me thinking of just system neutral game settings and how yeah. the more that I, um, the more that I uh, read game settings, like I'm reading Invisible Sun, um, and that is uh, the city of Saturnine is the game setting, and and the actuality is what they call it, and I really like that, and I really want that to kind of just could anyone play a game there like it would just kind of be fun if you could if you could and if you wanted to you really could reflavor it for like uh well it's a keith it's not a keith baker it's a money cook game so i was about to say you could reflavor it for numenera but like dnd <laughs> is so specific to this like european fantasy kind of thing uh i don't know it's i don't know it's kind of interesting but i like i like the system neutrals i guess and i'm reading um ultraviolet grasslands Mm-hmm. Which is, uh, and I put the book over there. I should have it here so I could hold it up. But Ultraviolet Grasslands is an RPG plus a campaign setting of this futuristic wasteland kind of Mad Max style thing. Uh, and that's another one where I'm like, I just, I, I don't care about the system anymore. Like, okay, you have dice and you make checks, but I love this world. And it's so mm-hmm. fun to read about these NPCs and how they interact and then... Yeah. And then you, as the as the DM, sits down and you're like, okay, guys, I want you to like pick a faction and play around with this. And then as they're picking factions and moving around, uh, the story comes out. Um, and I feel like Ghosts of Saltmarsh was like that, where like they were picking picking yeah. sides while we were playing the game, and then the game kind of flourished out of that. And 100, uh, and this was system neutral, but the Dark of Hot Springs Island. Because yeah. that one, no no monster stats, no dice rolling, no anything. But uh, everything was very descriptive. And so mm. uh, you would find a magic item that's like, when you blow this this whistle, it shoots a cone of fire out. But me, the DM, I got to decide, like, now is that enough to light a cigarette? Or is that enough <laughs> to burn down a tree? Yeah, 2D6 and, and it was up something. to me. Or do I want to tie that item to, like, their arcana stat or something like that? 
Uh, yeah. And so it's it's a bit, it's been a lot of fun to I don't know I like I like system neutral stuff like that I think it's really cool yeah and I like the idea that you could write something like that and just say hey I I don't know what game you're playing what game mechanics you're playing but insert your goblin here yep. you know or exactly or insert your low level whatever here that you want in there and that makes this whole thing work and now let me tell you all about these cool factions yeah and I think that's the one thing that I've noticed about the game worlds that really capture me the ones that have done the the most or, or the best i think are the ones that do introduce enough factions where the players are tempted by several and not just one right i think mm-hmm. too often when i run my games it's really cut and dry but it's really maybe maybe even railroady in some ways where there's kind of a good the good group and a bad group right mm-hmm. not much other depth than that I've not really run too many campaigns where there's, hey, there's some good guys, there's some bad guys, there's some neutral guys, there's this other good guys, there's this good bad guys, there's these bad bad guys, there's, you know, like, and now you players decide what you want to do. Like so many choices that they have to kind of start to really think. And I think, I think that would be a fun way to start pushing my DM skills is to start offering that type of complexity in a game, in a campaign world, and see where that takes me and mm-hmm. see where that goes. Because I've seen it from the really good books. The stuff that Monty Cook is writing has stuff like that. You know, the stuff that Keith Baker's writing, he has stuff like that. Um, I'm sure if you if Perkins got his own thing, you would have that. Or Mercer puts in lots of cool factions that you can kind of decide, ooh, do we want to work with them? Do we not want to work with them? Mm. All of them are good in some way. All of them are bad in some way. All of them, you know, there's like so much stuff going on. And I think that is the um, telling tale of a really good thought out world and something I still haven't quite got myself yet. But now I know I want to kind of move that direction. Like, what do you think about, I mean, you just spent a month creating your world. Yeah. I assume you had a bunch of factions at some point you went over and started creating. Uh, yeah, well, I'm sure, you know, because you watched it. So all of it, every single minute, nothing. Uh, anyway, I, (laughs) but yeah, I, I did have a lot of fun building that and it became apparent, uh, about midway that you need to do that. You need to have the Mm -hmm. different, um, and I say the word factions, but just like, uh, that could be a thieves guild. That could be, you know, the knights. It could also just be the rich versus the poor. Or like the North versus the South or something like that. But you need to have Mm -hmm. something that like I stand behind this uh, or I have conflict with this. Mm -hmm. Um, And personally, I think the most enjoyable like factions and stuff is uh, the the most enjoyable factions are um, the ones where nobody's wrong. Like I, I can sympathetically see the point of view of the East and I can sympathetically mm-hmm. see the point of view of the West. They each have valid points, but one but of them has conflict. to go down, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, who, which one yeah. am I going to join? And like the Mages Guild, they have a right to this. And the other one, they yeah. have a right to that same area. And they're arguing about who gets it. And there's there's mm-hmm. not a compromise, really. And so I think that's that unwinnable situation. Uh, it doesn't sound good when I say it as an unwinnable situation. But I think that makes the most interesting stories. Because yeah. your your players have to choose, like, oh, my gosh, do I want to lose my left hand or my right? Well, I don't want to mm-hmm. lose either of them. Well, you got to choose one, you know? <laughs> so that's really fun. Yeah. Or it's I, – I have done this quite a bit 
um, where I've made them choose the lesser of the evils, but you really only had evils to choose from, right? Yeah. So, yeah, the only thing that's going to help you is that you're in the middle of the war. The one I was doing in Revenar was you're in the middle of the war between the demons and the devils. Go ahead and pick a side. They're yeah. both completely exactly. terrible. You decide which one you want to work with. And I love that. And I and I enjoyed getting that whole storyline to kind of unthread throughout our sessions. So that one's been fun. But I like what you're talking about, too, where what happens when they're both good? Mm-hmm. They're both kind of valid. Yeah. And, oh, now what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of like that, too. So it, it's interesting that I still love reading campaign books. I still love looking at Kickstarters that pop up and say, here's our world. And here's the things that make us excited about mm-hmm. that world, whoever the writers are, the creators are. And when you can see that in the writing and you can feel their enthusiasm in this thing they're creating, mm-hmm. that's not just a product most of the time to them. It's like a passion. There's something there that they spent a lot of time thinking about and wondering, well, how do how are trolls handled in mm-hmm. my world and why are they the way they are and where do they live now? And what do they do when this happens to them? And that kind of thing. They've spent that time thinking about those kinds of things. And they, they only put so much in the books, but you can tell there's a big, deep world mm-hmm. there, you know, ready to be yeah. explored. And I love that. Yeah, I no, love reading about uh, it. Just last week, we were talking about uh, yes, uh, Forbidden Lands. The soul. <laughs> um, and how much I, I thought Forbidden Lands was a really cool world and system, and it's very fantasy-based, but that same system they're using, and this is uh, Modifius Entertainment, they're, they're, they made a Nordic horror game, um, very Call of Cthulhu-esque, but using like Norse gods and stuff. And that's mm-hmm. called Vason, um, if I'm saying it correctly. But it, yeah, Nordic horror role-playing. And that's another game that I'm like, I want to play that so bad. But Yeah. Anyway, and I'm still like Kickstarters pop up and I'm still funding them. I'm still supporting them where I can because they're interesting, whether they're for 5e or whether they're for Numenera or mm-hmm. whether they're for a pox. Maybe they're neutral, like Hot Springs Island. You know, you can play whatever. Um, I love reading them. I love still yeah. seeing them. So, um, boy, that for not having much to talk about, no news. About a whole bunch. Um, do you want to do, you wanna do a random monster? Yeah. You want to do a random monster oh, sure. generator? Yeah. All right. We call this section the College of Monsters now. That's what's been showing up in our notes. Yeah. This used to be Bardic Inspiration, which I think was a, a really fun and probably will come back in the future segment of our show. But yeah. now we've switched it over to College of Monsters. And uh, Jordan did a cool yeah. dice rolling mechanic. Yeah, and so uh, the random monster generator is currently working. Um, and I think it's almost done. Ha <laughs> ha! See, oh, oh, I did it wrong, guys. It's not you get four. Get again. <laughs> I gotta go. My min is twelve, and my max is three sixteen. Let's generate a number. Number seventy. So then we turn to page seventy of the DMG. Everybody, get your get your DMGs out. out. Come play along with us. Your your MMGs, your monster manuals. Your yes, thank your you. MMs. Your MMGs. Oh, this is a good one. Um, this is a barbed devil and a bearded devil, both of them on, uh, page 70 of the monster manual. Uh, we're going to zip over here and I think I can go like, ah, where is it? Where is it? Yeah. Barbed devil. Um, yeah, I gotta go this way. Okay, so if we go over here, I can look for Barb Devil. 
You said page 70? Fantastic. So the barbed devil, here he is. Um, This is creatures of unbridled greed and desire. Barbed devils act as guards to the most powerful denizens of the Nine Hells and their vaults, resembling a tall humanoid covered in sharp barbs, spines, and hooks. A barbed devil has gleaming eyes that are ever watchful for objects and creatures it might claim for itself. These fiends welcome any chance to fight when victory promises reward. Um, barbed devils are known for their alertness and make them difficult to surprise. They are attuned to duties without boredom or dis- they attend to duties without boredom or distractions. Um, and they use mm-hmm. their sharp claws as weapons to hurl balls of flame at foes that try to flee. I think this is what I summoned in my uh wild mount game, which is I very feel exciting. Like you did, yeah. yeah, the bearded one, right? No, no, it was the barbed devil because oh, you, he was hurling fire and stuff, and yeah. we, we were CR5, yeah. It's a good. That's a good one. I made a pact with him. It was a lot of fun. And then I think I, I went against it. <laughs> like I was like, and by the way, I'm not going to live up to that bargain. Or I cheated. Him, <laughs> I cheated him out of something. I'm, I don't remember. But yeah, it was fun. Both um, devils. So he. Well, I'm going to focus on the barb devil, I guess, because I don't know. Yeah. We got stuff to talk about. But uh, I think a barb devil, because they're greedy, they they guard vaults. Um. You know, I was reading uh, Tome of Beasts 2 the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, have you checked out that at all? Uh, I, not 2. I still have yeah. Tome of Beasts 1. So friend I still of the, need to get Tome of Beasts 2. So friend of friend of mine, not not necessarily friend of the show, I don't think she watches, but uh, Celeste Conowich, she yeah. made a demonic frog that is uh, an archdevil of the Nine Hells. And uh, I think his name is The Collector. And this frog was an ordinary frog that fell into the river Styx and got mutated by it and then became a fiend afterwards and is very, uh, likes to capture people and collect things. So I imagine that he would have a very, like, extensive uh, vault collection and maybe the Barb Devils are that. So he could be the one that is higher up. Um, but specifically is a barb devil guarding something. Uh, somebody in chat, Gary had a really good, uh, uh, point in chat saying, I wonder if their quills might be useful to wizards. And that's an aspect that we haven't really talked about a whole bunch is mm-hmm. the harvesting monsters for the crafting, uh, for crafting purposes. Yeah. yeah. Like I really need the toe of, you know, a behemoth or something so that I can like do this, this thing. So, mm-hmm. I like barbed devil. I think the one thing that I would add to it that um, just by looking at that picture, mm-hmm. you have the barbed hide skill that if you're getting um, hugged or you're getting grappled, it's going to do some damage to them. But I like this idea that those barbs might extend every other round, maybe out to 10 feet and hit people or something. And they're, they're like moving around or they're able to kind of throw a sneak attack or maybe a reaction attack or maybe a bonus action attack every now and then to throw out some, to keep your players on your toes. Mm-hmm. Right? To, these barbs are really there, or they can even pull them out and throw them. Or I was thinking too, if you want to go a little bit visually different, you could stick with the barb devil name, but what if all the barbs and stuff were weapons that were pierced into it? So it's like all these swords and spears and arrows and things. And it uses those 
as to keep it safe because you don't want to get close to anything with all that sharp metal around it. And yeah. it's kind of like its own armor, but its body's not hurt by those things because actually I think that's part of it, right? They can't be hurt by non-magical weapons. Yeah. So it's like they just put them in there to, to, to make, basically make themselves like a porcupine almost. <laughs> I, like that. I was like, Oh, cool. You could really do some cool, some cool ideas with that. Um, different things sticking out of the skin whether they elongate, whether they can be pulled off and thrown, whether they can be pro- projectiled in some way. So you have some room there as a dungeon master to tweak a barbed devil in case your players know, oh, I know what a barbed devil is. We've played this before. And you could you could get, yeah, but you'd be like, that's the one you know of, but what about this one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, add something into it. Um, would you have them talk? Would you have them be your big bad guy? Is this a lieutenant? I'm feeling like this is like a, a henchman, a lieutenant, uh, maybe like a tertiary objective for the players to kill. But I don't know, is he running your, your the main bad guy of your campaign? Are you leaning that way? How yeah, you so uh, I, I I was just thinking of Spike from X-Men, and I spelled it wrong. And now, now that I'm Googling it, um, Spike, I think, might have been an X-Men that was created just for the show X-Men Evolution. I don't know if he was in the comics. I'm trying to think. Oh, that could be, uh, could be for the cartoon. Oh, maybe he was in the comics. Yeah. But uh, he was in the X-Men Evolution cartoon and he was a, a mutant that could like grow bony spikes out of his body and shoot them and, and do yeah. things like that. Um, so that got me thinking, what if your campaign is there is a, a, a guy that was possessed by this demon? And so he's slowly growing spikes or that's becoming a power that manifests itself and you're hired to figure out like what's going on uh with this random uh guy that's causing problems and maybe the whole campaign is trying to find this kid and help him um Mm -hmm. help him before the demon can like take over and then if and then you know your your objectives are we have to extract this demon uh or if the child dies then you have a demon to fight kind of a thing but either way you have to defeat this this uh barb devil devil you know this uh and i think that that could be fun and so inadvertently he is the big bad guy but let's say you figure out and you stop that by level five or six um then it's well who who put that guy in there what's the bigger you know plot and then you could go further on with that and i like that yeah. idea that could be a lot or the of campaign, how do you separate the kid from the exactly, devil? Yeah. How do you... And so it's not... We can't attack him because we'll hurt the kid. You yeah, know, yeah. You have possession's to hard like that. Yeah. And so you have to yeah. figure out, like, well, what do we do? And so then then it's not, I can hit it with my sword till it's dead. You have to figure out something different. And mm-hmm. Lots of research. And I like I like things like that. I think it could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Or, or a patron has given you this job. They're saying, hey, I have this ward. This has happened to them. And I yeah. need you to take them to mount doom to fix him so you need to go on your 25 week journey you know to get to where they can break the pact of the demon you know Mm -hmm. whatever or the devil in this case yeah yeah i like it so you could go a couple of ways this could be this could allow you to take your campaign to any of the nine hells at that point because i assumed you will find barbed devils in all kinds of layers of hell Mm -hmm. Um, i think uh uh mammon is one of the uh, arch devils and he is the one that is of greed um mm-hmm. and so it would fit the barb devil theme and stuff maybe you have to find the like 11 volts of whatever to uh gather supplies that will allow you to take down mammon and you know yeah. reforge the nine hells or something 
Yeah, so you could get a little planes walking going on if you yeah. want to do that. Get sucked into uh, one of those areas. Um, maybe a portal has opened accidentally, and maybe it's maybe it starts out pretty big and it's slowly shrinking, but mm. over a week or two, that portal stays open and things pour out of it until it finally collapses on its own, and you're a party that's there to contain as much as possible things that are slipping through that portal um, from the hells. Mm-hmm. And barbed devils and you know these things are popping out and that could be one of the things that you have to deal with i like that it's in the mid-range challenge five is something that you're gonna you're gonna run a campaign that has party members taking on challenge five stuff like sometimes we might talk about a challenge 21 creature or whatever and it's like well how many of us have ran campaigns where our characters are high enough to take on a you know that high of a creature but we all have i think have run campaigns where we're in that area where you could probably bring in a, a CR5 creature and that could be a big bad that your players have to band together to, to fight. Yeah, so. no, that's an that's a really good villain for an early game. Yeah. You know? And then it's supernatural and it's like, what? And then all of a sudden, you know, you attack it and you're just like, guys, my fire doesn't hurt it. Or my my weapon doesn't yeah, hurt it. You're like, oh, we gotta, it. we gotta go yeah. find some, uh, some, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, uh, silver. We gotta get silver weapons. weapons, and that's a yeah. whole nother quest, and that could be a lot of fun. So. Awesome possum. Well, Lucian, yeah, magical what... darkness doesn't impede the devil's dark vision. Magic resistance. Yeah. Uh, it's good stuff. Um, good stuff. Lucian, what? What? Uh, how's Dungeon of the Mad Mage going? What's she doing? We're on level four. Finally, the Xanathar attack has been completed. We have been told that um, we can just kind of continue on. That part of the storyline doesn't have to necessarily involve us about why Xanathar decided to mass attack Waterdeep, although it may come back up later on as another side tangent or something we get involved in. Um, <clears throat> but we're back to dungeon delving, which is good. So we're back to going through tunnels, get rid of all that caves and, war stuff. I just want to yeah, go yeah. see what's on this we fourth floor. We just want to go <laughs> bash some heads and get some treasure. That's what I'm in. I want the XPs and the GPs, and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I like that um, we're getting closer. I'm excited to see a couple more levels on this character build that I'm running. Um, Arcane Archer combined, if you did a good roll or you got a good dex to start with, and you combine it with Sharpshooter is just mm-hmm. a fantastic combination of a character. So I've really loved that. I think the Dungeon Master definitely hates it. He's in chat um, because it's typically pretty consistent, hard-hitting damage, right? And it's just coming from the Sharpshooter and having enough bonus to offset that that minus that you get to it to still hit most times. It does suck when you miss, though, because I did a I did a uh, action surge. And I thought, oh, I'm going to help my party out. And I get two more attacks. And then both arrows miss anyway. So then you're like, oh, all right. Well, that was a waste of an action surge. I didn't get anything done. So every now and then you you feel like, you know, you miss that. But when those arrows are hitting and they're hitting hard, you're just like pumping the damage out. So I really mm-hmm. like it's really fun. And I love the idea that I'm playing an Aarakocra, one of my favorite races from back in the 80s when I saw it in the um, – I think I saw it in the Fiend Folio is where I saw Aarakocra and always thought, mm-hmm. I want to be one of those as a player character. Just like I saw the GIF, Yankee, and I thought, oh, I want to be one of those as a character. Yeah. So i got to eventually make a GIF Yankee. I, I have a GIF Yankee Arcane Cleric that I really want to play. 
So yeah, a build that you've been looking at. Yeah, so, yeah, it's all yeah. it's sitting in D and D Beyond, just waiting to be played. But I'm yeah. like, it's not the right time. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's our fun. Tuesday night game, and it's great. It's over on Danimals. Our digital dungeon master from Down Under uh, is our Australian dungeon master who runs games for us pretty much every week. So that's been fun. What about Jordan? Did Jordan get any Dungeons yeah. and Dragons in? I did. I played my Wildmount game on Josh, Saturday. Josh A? Josh A, the, uh, the Conjuration Wizard. Um, and uh, yeah, it was funny. So our, well, I wanted to talk about something that I thought was fun is the more I play Josh A, the Conjuration Wizard, the more I was like, I really want Action Surge because there are so many little... <laughs> Uh, what like maneuvers and stuff that I'm like, oh, this would be cool if I could do this, but mm-hmm. to set it up and then to wait a whole round and then to cast the next spell, it just doesn't doesn't flesh out very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, man, I really need action surge. But then I was playing a, I was playing that uh, uh, basic fantasy game. I think I talked about it two weeks ago or so, um, which is like a really stripped down early version of BXD and D that's open source. And they had a way of doing initiative that I had never played before. And I wanted to see if you had heard of it called Popcorn Initiative. Nope. Yeah. So let's talk about Tell Popcorn Initiative. Tell me about initiative. this, though. This sounds good. So <laughs> collectively as a group, nobody rolls initiative. You collectively decide who goes next. And everybody in the group has to have a turn before the person can go again. So uh, if it's, let's say it's, it's me, you, um, and a monster. So mm-hmm. we just decide, Jordan, you get to go first. So I, I attack. And then I say, you know what? I want Lucian to go next. So then Lucian, you, you attack. And then you, because there's only three of us, me, you, and the monster, you have to let I the have monster to say go. The monster goes. So then you let the monster go. So then the monster attacks. And now because the round has reset, the monster, monster gets chooses. to go again. It gets to go first. So because of the way, because of how you choose it, certain characters can have two actions if they go last, kind mm-hmm. of back to back. And I was like, that's really fun. So I was thinking about that and I'm like, I need to convince my DM to do this so that I can be like, all right, guys, make me go last so I can cast grease and then fire and he'll like burn up and it'll be so cool. You know, something, something where you can set up an action to go beforehand. Um, But the way we played it was really fun. And there's a there's a fun strategy behind it, too, because you are like, oh, like like I want I want Lucian to go because he'll move and he'll attack with his arrow, which will push the monster back 10 feet, allowing me to hit it with Eldritch Blast, which will push it into the lava or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And there could be a lot of fun like that. Uh, The unfortunate side of this is you just throw initiative out the window. So. Every the people who like initiative and the people who have put like points into initiative, you know, like feats and stuff. It's like, yeah, well, yeah. those are all advantage negated. on initiative. Yeah. There's yeah, there's no <laughs> yeah, there's no reason to have it. Uh yeah. but it's it's really fun. I liked it as a as a um and, and the guys that I was playing with, they were like, I love popcorn initiative. And I'm like, Yeah, I do mm-hmm. I do too. I play games. I know what that is, had no clue. But it was a lot of fun. So Yeah. Um but no I didn't uh, know that was the name of it. We, interesting. we came to, well, it might've been just their slang for it, but they all seemed to know that it was called popcorn initiative. Uh, but we, we came to a very climactic battle. I don't think any of us knew that it was a big climactic battle, but the big stumbled into it. Yeah. The big guy that we've been chasing for so long, he was there. Um, and we, uh, took him out, but as we took him out, there were two crates 
And we opened the crate and there was his cloned body on the inside. And we're like, oh, great. Oh. So as he died, um, his clone popped up out of one of the things, uh, out of one of these crates and looked at us and then teleported away. And uh, I guess the point I was, or another point that I wanted to make is I, I specifically did not take counterspell because I don't like counterspell. And I didn't think Josh a would necessarily take counterspell because he's not about countering things. He's about conjuring things and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but this is the one situation where everyone at the table was like, Jordan, you're the wizard. Like you could have countered that. We could have ended the campaign. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Uh, and then, so I don't know. I was thinking, happen. should I take counterspell? Like, it does, no, does like, fifth like edition need counterspell? Like, yeah, does fifth no. edition need counterspell? Because no, now the game is not done. Our poor dungeon master is like, well, I guess we're playing for another whole round of sessions because he's like, I don't know. Like, I was, I was yeah, planning yeah. that this was the last session, but we didn't kill him because then don't teleport yeah. away. That's your. Well, <laughs> that's I guess the, the yeah, right. That's on him. That's on him. Yeah, don't, don't have him a teleport. Don't have a clone. <laughs> what are you yeah. thinking? What so, are you thinking? It was one of the, it was um, really funny though because they really value counterspell and I think it's uh I shouldn't say this but well I shouldn't I shouldn't apply assumptions on them but I think it's because of critical role and counterspell was so beneficial to stopping the season 1 boss yeah. and it was very yeah. necessary. Um but I look at it as just like it's just a weird like crutch. I don't like it. I don't know. Yeah, no, I like I like themed magic users themed wizards i like that you're digging into the conjuration theme and you're sticking with it um i went with mine where i wanted to go all lightning based on one of mine yeah. and i i caught some flack about why don't you have fireball or why don't you have this and i'm like sorry i'm a lightning dude you know yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is, my guy's all about lightning if it's got lightning in it i got it um and then i did my war wizard which was about raising shields that one did i had counter spell i could bring up shield bubbles and I could bring up slow, but he was all about countering mages. So yeah. he was a war mage meant to counter mages. And in that case, to me, it felt, even though I hate how counterspell works too, um, that felt right for his spell list versus like what you're doing. I've like a conjuration one, or I like one where they're, you know, they're raising golems or they're using elementals or they're using creatures to fight for them. That's a specific type and they mm -hmm. might not have those things. Um, I like the idea that you lean into a theme of your character yeah. and stick with it. That's just me. I love that. So, yeah. And I was, you know, and it, it's, uh, we, we, we definitely play with a mid maxer, um, but he has fun with that and he yeah. doesn't necessarily complain that yeah. us, you only have one mid maxer. Yeah. I well. play a group of mid maxers. <laughs> <laughs> Every one of them are a mid maxer. Uh, and I, I like being efficient, but at the same time, I'm just like, no, I don't, I don't think, because I didn't yeah. take fireball either. I was like, no. Yeah. I'm gonna, They're I'm like gonna in their third multi-class yeah. in this group trying to get that one special ability that's going to make the, everything perfect that's funny. for their hodgepodge of a build they've got going that makes sure they have every ability Ooh. they need. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, that is our show. Thank you Amazing so enough, much for coming out. Amazing enough, a no new show. Um, all the way to uh, three minutes after the hour. Uh, next yeah. week, we're going to have a, uh, a guest on. Um, and his name is Harlan and Harlan is part of the better than heroes Twitch channel. They play a spell jammer game and I was on their spell jammer game a while ago and he contacted me and, and I was like, you know, you're awesome. We should have you on the show. And so he's going to come and he, we're going to talk about spell jammer. We're talking about fifth edition in spell jammer. Um, and it, it should be a lot of fun. 
So mm-hmm. uh, take care. Uh, be back next week for a very special episode yeah. of Saturday Morning D Show. Anything else we need to do before we take off, sir? Hey, make sure you guys go out there and like this on the podcast sites too, mm-hmm. because I really think that this is a great kind of show to listen while you're driving somewhere, you're on a trip, you're doing things. That's the kind of show we always want to make. Yeah. So even though you don't have green, angry Hulk Jordan, mm-hmm. if you listen to this show, you wouldn't even know he's yeah. green, angry, and Hulkish right now. Yeah. So it'd just um, be a cool, fun show. Specifically, uh, the big ones like Spotify and Apple Podcasts, uh, if you rate us there and leave a comment, uh, it helps like you wouldn't believe 100%. Um, So just search for Saturday Morning D&D Show on any of your favorite podcast things and you will find us there. Uh, Leaving a a comment uh, is the best way to do. A review, I I guess, is what I'm asking for. And it could be just like thumbs up, Angry Jordan, go. Uh, thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week with another Saturday morning d show. Bye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.